So I wanted this open for anybody who wants to talk, process feelings, understand things about feelings. Um, because I think a lot of us, especially surgeons, are socialized to think that feelings are like useless and pointless and not necessary. And then when we think that way about feelings, we get very, very overwhelmed when we have feelings because we don't know what to do with them, let alone like allow them because we're not supposed to have them in the first place. I joke, if you haven't heard my joke of like the, the only feelings that surgeons have is tight <laughs> for a long time. I'm like, what are you feeling? Tight. How do you feel now? Tight, mostly tight. Um, and it's how we're socialized, not only as doctors to not show feeling, not express emotion, but certainly as surgeons um, in the culture of surgery, like that feelings are weak or feelings are too feminine, whatever that means, because all humans experience feelings. So I was thinking I really wanted a place for people to come on and talk and get coached and to talk about feelings um, in the setting of everything that keeps happening because the world keeps happening. And I feel right now the world is happening fast in a lot of heavy stuff. And the first thing I wanted to do today is just, I wanted to read the man in the arena because I think we are all in the arena, um, whether we're retired or working part-time or no longer in surgery. Um, but I just think it's such a powerful poem. So I wanted to start with the man in the arena speech. This was written by Theodore Roosevelt in 1910. It's over a hundred years old. We can use whatever pronouns we want here. The woman in the arena. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And a couple of things come up for me when I read this. Uh, number one, I think if it was written now, there would be different pronouns. Um, number two, I think of Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. She has a book that's named that. And I wonder if she got that from here. And then my third thought is when I read this, I think about surgeons and I, I specifically in this, in dealing with like surgeon complications of like, we show up, we show up again and again, we show up knowing complications are gonna happen. We show up knowing that people aren't gonna like the way we do stuff. We are literally in the arena. And to give ourselves credit for being in the arena, to give ourselves credit for how freaking hard it is to keep showing up every single day, knowing that complications are going to happen. So I think uh, I, I just think it's a beautiful poem for surgeons for that reason. So I just want to talk briefly about feelings, and then for people to raise their hand if they want to even come on to get coached, come on to just chat, type uh, any questions in the chat box that you might have. Real quick, for people who aren't familiar with room one, when we bring you on, we change your name. So it's as anonymous as it can be, and we keep your video off. So just to help people understand how much we respect privacy, as much as you can say everything is completely anonymous in an online world, we try our best to keep people private and let give them a space where they can be in the presence of other female surgeons, but not always be as public 
as maybe they don't want to be. So that's just a nice review for people who might um, wonder what happens in room one. And I mostly drink tea and coffee when I coach because I love it. Okay, so what are feelings? Feelings are sensations in the body, oftentimes caused by thoughts. Our thoughts create our feelings, not always conscious thoughts that create feelings. The other thing that can happen is feelings can happen first and kind of trickle up to thoughts. So sensations in the body can trickle up. But kind of in the classic way of the coaching model, Jess and I talk about circumstances create thoughts, thoughts create feelings. So something in the brain is creating a feeling and that feeling is felt in the body. So feelings are the reason that we do something or we don't do something. So if you just think of us as like an amoeba, right? Or like any sort of thing in the, in the planet that can like move towards and away from stuff to simplify it. Feelings are what make us go towards something or go away from something. Um, and in thinking about feelings, we kind of judge them, we label them, right? We're socialized to say that there's like good feelings and there's bad feelings. And realizing that's an artificial layer, we put on these groups of sensations in our bodies. And we say some of these feel really great and some of these feel very um, not great. We kind of judge them before we ever learn how to feel feelings. And then when we do feel a negative emotion, we think something's wrong with us, wrong with reality. We shouldn't feel a negative emotion. And I think in the beginning, you know, for, for people who are new to coaching, the way Jess and I coach is we do the unintentional model, which is kind of the, just the way the, that the world is, what you're thinking right now. Then we move to the intentional model of like a different way or a more empowered way of thinking about things. And I think a lot of beginner people into coaching, they're like, I just need a coach so I can feel better. We're trying to solve for the negative emotion. And where the like pro coaches will, they'll keep you in that negative emotion. They'll be like, well, there's actually a lot to learn about shame, failure, suffering, sadness. And those aren't things to be avoided. They're part of the human experience. And to say that they're not part of the ex human experience or to say that we want less of that is actually a resistance to them. And resistance to things actually can amplify things, right? Um, so I never want to feel angry. So instead of doing that, I'll, um, you know, I'll go eat ice cream or I'll go talk to a friend or I'll go watch a bunch of Netflix. We kind of buffer things, but if we don't ever process that anger, it's going to be there. It's not going to work, through, uh, be able to work through our body. Um, so somebody was saying, you know, <sighs> Doctors suck at emotions, we suck at feelings. And somebody was saying like, how to describe what a feeling or an emotion is. It's a sensation in our body, right? And so like if a Martian came down to the planet and was like, hey, I hear you guys really don't wanna feel like anger or sadness. Can you describe what that would be like? And in describing what that emotion is, what you're doing is you're describing sensations in your body, right? Like anger to me is like, it's tight tightness because surgeon, my favorite, feeling for surgeons is tightness, tightness in the chest, um, like a lot of muscle rigidity to me is anger. And then like, to me, anger is really trying to like resist or protect myself. So I think like, I am separate from people. I am not connected to them. Don't fuck with me. Like that's anger. And then, and then the Martians like, that's it. And you're like, yeah, that's horrible. I just, I hate anger. The Martians like, oh, sensation in your body. Like the experts were good. Like the worst thing a feeling is, is a sensation in the body. 
we just don't, we think it's so utterly horrible to feel these feelings. We don't get good at it. We don't let them process. We don't sit with the fact that life is full of suffering and happiness. Life is 50, 50. If, if it was happy and good all the time, and we always got what we wanted all the time, we literally wouldn't even know it was happy because we don't have any contrast to it. So it's part of this like richness, if we want to call it that, like, do I think it sucks? There's negative things. Yes. But that's me fighting with reality. Cause I'm really, really, I really always want to fight with reality. And that's why where coaching really helps is like, ah, uh, Mostly on like a daily basis, I'm like, there's me fighting with reality again. I wish the world was this. I wish people did it this way. I wish no children ever suffered. I wish, 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 wish. Instead of saying, this is the world, what can I now do to make a difference in the world, to do my best in the world? And Carl Lowenthal is, is one of the master, is a master coach. He actually has a podcast called Unfuck Your Brain, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. She's sassy. She's like Harvard trained lawyer turns very successful life coach. Um, and she wrote this email yesterday about, you know, what was going on and like what we're supposed to do with these emotions. And she's like, with what's happening in the world, the best thing we can do is learn to manage our brain, learn to see what's happening inside of us, learn to understand ourselves learn to come and decide what we're going to do with as clean of a presence as we can. Because if we don't clean this up and we just go out and it's angry, it's sadness so much so that we can't get our work done or whatever, or we drop out of the, you know, drop out of the, the fight, whatever it is. So her point of like coaching is not there to make you feel better. I think I tend to feel better. Anytime I just get awareness of what's going on, I tend to feel better because it does create that space between stimulus and response is that awareness of like, oh, that's why that happened. That's why, of course, that's why I'm angry. That's okay. From basics, coaching is not there to just make you feel better. It's a, it's a very fake feeling better. If I'm like, well, if you just think a happy thought, then you won't be so sad so, so much. Why don't you just try that? But kind of latching on to that fake happy is truly suffering because you're you still haven't processed the underlying emotions. Um, and trying to avoid the feelings, whatever that feeling might be, trying to avoid those feelings is actually what causes us suffering. And you can see this all over the world, right? Of like, to avoid a feeling, we might lash out and be angry at somebody. When you're really feeling like vulnerable or sad, um, you might overeat, might overdrink, might do drugs, might just sit on Netflix every night instead of doing something that like creates value that can actually help change the world. So it's avoiding those feelings is what actually causes hurt for us. Um, okay, so we've got uh, hands up if you want to do coaching and keep them up because when I see multiple hands up, then I'll try to get to everybody by the end of the hour. And if you just have questions, type them into the uh, chat box. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call it Summer Day. And then we will promote to panelist. Let me see what chat does. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to promote to panelist. Hi, can you hear me? Hey, friend, how are you? Oh, you know, the same, I feel. <laughs> 
Um, just so you know, Kelly, um, I can see who all the attendees are because their names haven't been changed. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, for whatever can... reason, coming in through the link, it didn't let us change our names ourselves this time. Oh, thanks for yeah. Um, the, the link through the emails wasn't working through for me. I had to come in through Facebook so I couldn't change my name. Just okay. FYI. Thanks for letting us know if anybody wants their name. Well, let me know if you want your name to be changed. I can change them if that's important. Thanks for letting us know, Summer. Yeah. Um, so I guess, so I feel, you know, I've been doing this for maybe like five or six months now, the group coaching. And what I'm trying to figure out is, because I feel like every month, sometimes a couple times a month, I'm on here talking about the same thing, which is my current job situation and um, how crappy it is <laughs> and why for, you know, various reasons with my boards and stuff, I feel sort of stuck here. Um and what I am trying to figure out is if I need to evolve more um, through coaching or is this just a bad circumstance that I have to somehow um, figure my way out. So this week in particular was really bad. And I'm sorry, I'm like trying not to tear up talking about it. I'm just like so frustrated and sad. Um, I was on a great vacation last week. And when I came back, um, the group had finally hired more medical assistants. And I said, you know what, don't be anxious about going back to work. Maybe it'll be better. So I went back last week and there was one medical assistant who said, I want to stay with you. You've inspired me to become a physician assistant to work in your subspecialty. So I already told everyone, I want to work with you. The new, um, the new MAs, you know, they can go train with someone else. So for three days, I had a really great clinic and I said, okay, things have been pretty tough, but maybe they're starting to get better now. Um, Monday morning was fine. And then I had an add-on patient in the afternoon and I've taken a lot of time to train her to do things, you know, to do what I do. Um, the other medical assistants in the three rounds we've had in the nine months I've been here have refused to learn except for her. So she was helping me in the afternoon with one patient because that is, she's the only one who can do it. And um, my clinic runs behind because of the amount of teaching and training I have to do like every three months. The owner of the group comes in, starts screaming at her saying that, you know, she's supposed to be helping him. She was hired for him. She wasn't hired for me. Um, you know, I should be done, et cetera, et cetera. And that pissed me off a lot, but I said, you know what, he and I actually only overlap one day a week, so she can help me the other days and she can work with him, you know, whenever uh, he and I are there together. Um, but then on Tuesday, um, one of the hiring managers had a discussion with me, you know, he's, the owner's very upset at how his clinic is running. She's not going to work with you. She's for him. Um, and I said, well, you know what, I'm not going to keep training people and have them taken away from me. Um, and so with that, I felt, okay, like through coaching, I could sort of rationalize this, like, okay, fine, we'll work around it. I'll work with her a day and a half a week. He can work with her the rest of the time. Um, but then later that day, I had sent an email um, about OR availability in our surgery center. Um, I'm getting much, I'm getting busier much quicker than I thought I have. But the big problem is, is that there's no way, no place to do my cases, like to the point where for urgent cases, I'm like, pushing the boundaries on when I can really operate on these people. And um, the email was about lack of communication from the OR manager. I was not aware that there was like an issue even adding my cases on until I looked at my schedule. And I get, 
I get like a very snarky and rude email back from the junior partner um, about me. He's going on a rant about me, about my cases, this and that. Um, you know, oh, they take longer than allotted time. And I said, no, at the hospital, they take longer. But the surgery center, um, you know, with straightforward cases, I finish them quicker than I say I will. You know, go look at the case logs you can see. Um, and then I had to bring, because he, he takes like my email threads, he'll hijack them into these ridiculous rants that have nothing to do with anything. So I came back to the original point, which was, hey, we have no communication here. I just want to let you know, so we don't have this issue persisting. Um, and then at the same time, the same day, I found out that another surgeon in town who I thought an al was an ally of mine is not. And I just felt, okay, so there's no acknowledgement of what I'm doing in clinic. There's no acknowledgement of what's happening in the OR. I mean, the group owns a surgery center. Um, it's good for all of us for me to be bringing my cases there. And, um, you know, I've talked to them multiple times about this. You know, we've talked about the manual and nothing has changed. And so on Tuesday night for four hours, I was crying on the phone to a family member and I can like feel it now, just like the deep sadness I have. I don't want to be like this every single week for the next two years. I'm stuck here and I have been talking to another job and they're trying to get a letter of intent together for me, but I just don't know what the timing, if it's going to be better. Um, they've also changed what they want to do with the job um, over the month I've been interviewing with them. And so now I'm not sure that it's really what I'm looking for. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out like, is it coaching? Is it just me? Like, do I need to just work on this more and deal with it? Or do I need to like take a risk and leave? But I don't want to be so deeply sad every single week. You know, yeah. like I hate my job and I hate saying that because I love being a doctor. I love being a surgeon, but every day I wake up and I'm just like, I don't want to go there and deal with it anymore. Yeah. So that's what I'm just trying to figure out. Like, cause if it's just, okay. I, cause I definitely feel with coaching, I have evolved. I feel, I said this like recently, I feel like I'm unrecognizable in some ways, like in how I deal with things. I'm very proud of myself and I'm definitely happy I've done this. I'm just not sure. Like, you know, do I just need to work on it a little more or is this just a bad circumstance? And they're like, no one can deal with it. Well, actually no one can deal with it. I didn't realize until I got here that it's been like a revolving door of surgeons, but you know what's uh what's underlying the sad is there a thought um I kind of thought that this would be my forever job I've had a very tumultuous like young career um I you know I lost my job like really early on during COVID um so it was kind of like last one hired first one out type thing went to a second fellowship and now have this job and you know I think part of it is that I feel like my CV is very tainted like I've had places flat out just tell me like you know what's wrong where you're like in these places for a short period of time and I was like you don't understand for like my generation the surgeons that recently finished training we don't have great options with COVID like I know so many surgeons that lost their jobs during COVID. So it's one of those things where I thought, okay, I'm going to stay here. I've actually I've been talking to this group for two years and I thought this would kind of be like my forever job. And I just am very sad that I have put in so much effort for a group that doesn't really seem to, I don't know I'm going to say they don't value me. They don't value anyone. I mean, 
the amount of turnover we've had from longstanding employees who have said that, you know, I've gone to them, I've talked to them, I need more money or I need like a different role or whatever. And they just ignore me and they, and I left. It's like the underlying theme with everyone who leaves here. Um, so I think it's that I put in this effort. It's not coming back. Um, I wonder is actually, it's the lifestyle. It's the lifestyle. Cause I've said, you know what, if I'm stuck here, you know what, um, I could work less and make less money. This is not a very high volume group. They're not private practice ballers, like I was hoping to be. Um, but the problem is the lifestyle. I think that's why I'm so upset. Um, I'm actually for myself, especially very, not very busy, relatively speaking. Um, but I am constantly operating until late at night. Um, every Friday night, I come home at like 10 p.m., order DoorDash, fall asleep on my couch, wake up at like 4 a.m., shower, go back to bed. I don't have, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids. And I was like, if I had a family, would I tolerate this nonsense? Or would I say, oh, well, I'm single. It's okay if I like fall asleep on my couch. Um, I haven't had time to go on a date in three months. Like I really just haven't had a life. And it's not that I'm working at a big level one trauma academic center where you might expect that. I'm working in such a dysfunctional practice that it's like impacted my lifestyle so much. Um, Yesterday, I had an add-on case at the hospital, so we had to shorten my clinic a little bit. I looked at my schedule in the morning. I said, wow, I, I could have actually seen more patients. This doesn't look that bad. I had eight patients, and we ran two and a half hours behind. Um, it's like we just can't get anything done. I can't get any notes done during the day. I'm always working at night. Um, the we have a new practice manager, and he said, you don't eat lunch. And I said, I haven't had time for lunch in clinic in months. And he's like, well, how do we get you lunch? You know? Um, so I think if it wasn't impacting my life so much, I would just say, okay, they suck. I'll just deal with it. It is what it is. But I think it's that I'm working many hours for very little yield. If that makes sense. I'm relatively not doing that many cases. I'm not seeing that many patients. I, there's no reason why most days of the week I can't be done by 3 4 o'clock like all the other doctors are mm -hmm. so I think that's the underlying thing I think if it was not if, if it wasn't affecting my hours so much I'd be like fine you suck like you're a douche whatever um but if it's like well you're a douche and because of that I have to stay until 11 p.m um because that junior partner on Wednesday, uh, his PA had helped me with a case on Thursday because I had a very big, like all day case. And on when, and he knew about this, an email was sent. Um, and he threw a fit on Wednesday afternoon, like well, the night before my case about how he didn't want her helping me. She needs to be in clinic. I need to find my own assist, whatever, whatever. Um, I'm busy in clinic. The practice manager is trying to help me we spend a lot of hours on this when I'm really supposed to be at home preparing for my case. We finally get the other partner on the phone and he says, Oh yeah, she can help her tomorrow. But like going forward, we have to change such and such. And I was like, you left at three 30 and at no point did you want to say fine, take her for tomorrow. But in the future we have to work this out. So it's like things where I feel like my time is just being wasted and hours are just being wasted for no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you, the growth that you've done and I, you know, just, I was, what was it? I think it was Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle just had this podcast on suffering. He's basically like, you can't get to call it enlightenment, call it awareness, call it personal growth 
you can't get there but through suffering. And that doesn't mean we all should suffer so we have this amazing experience to like become enlightened. But what it means is like what's happening right now is there and it's you're it's not going to be there all the time. You're either going to leave or you're going to, you know, work on what you can work on there and see if change happens. But this is you're in like the quicksand of it, right? Mm-hmm. Of like and and I'm hearing a lot of victim coming from it. Like this guy's a douche, this guy's a blah blah blah, this mm-hmm. OR is dysfunctional, blah blah blah. And really realizing they're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to do what they're going to do. And I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying we can't make the world be perfect for our happiness and for our health and for our sanity. Like, oh my gosh, I, I literally had to, I posted this on like the surgeon's mom's group. It was like three add-on cases. It was going to be at 7 p.m., then 11 p.m., then three in the morning. Then it got pushed to the next day. And was it going to be till 6.30 that night? It's like horrible. There's like patients with fevers who can't get surgery, right? Yeah. But it's like, the point is, it's never going to be perfect. There's never going to be enough staff, especially now. There's never going to be senior partners that at least 50% of them aren't jerks. They exist. There's cool <laughs> partners, believe me. Like they're worth, they're worth finding. But like our world is never going to be perfect. And so with that information, then you say, are you looking for perfect? Are you leaving to find perfect? Because you haven't grown at all if you do that. Because it isn't perfect over there. It's not perfect in Wisconsin and it's not perfect in Iowa. Like there's no perfect. And, and you know, and then that's where they talk about just being very clean before you leave. Mm-hmm. Is like, you'll take your problems with you. You'll, cause you're taking yourself with you. Right. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Cause especially now that with this new potential job, they're telling me the details. I was like, I actually don't think that job will be any better. There's no support there either. I'd be like the only surgeon in the hospital doing what I do. And I don't want to be the only one around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I'm, uh, cause I do spend uh, a significant amount of time. Like, I don't want to say the word scheming. I, don't, I can't think of a better word right now. Like how do I work around whatever they are offering me? Like I was actually thinking during my shower at 4am today, um, why should my clinic go into the afternoon? Right? Like, why should I be running into someone else's clinic? We should be finishing in the morning or, um, you know, I can work with so-and-so on this day or do this, do that. And I just feel like, um, I'm mentally exhausted from having to work around everything. Like, I think if I saw a little bit of improvement, I would say, okay, you know, there's challenges right now. Everyone's going through it. We hear it on coaching all the time. Like block times taken away this, that, and whatever. But I think my concern is, is that in the nine months I've been here, it's only getting worse. There's hasn't even been like a little bit of improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm pretty vocal. Um, I will go and talk to them or come up with ideas or say, Hey, what can we do? Um, but nothing, nothing really ever changes with that. Or it'll be like, Oh yeah, we'll do it. And then it doesn't happen type thing. So, um, but, you know, I'm physically tired from operating late, but I think I'm more mentally tired for constantly having to think of some workarounds. Right. And, and, you know, I think that's worth noting again, like that awareness of like, where is my energy going? Right. My energy is trying to change the way things are. Okay. Yeah. That's exhausting. And then to realize like, 
oh, at least I know where I'm putting all of my energy right now. Mm-hmm. It's in fighting reality, be, feeling like I'm the only one who can change anything and then it doesn't work. Like just knowing like, yes, you are spending a lot of energy doing that. Yeah. Like, um, like I said, at some point I thought, well, you know what? Because I have in some ways kind of said, you know what? I'm not going to try to fix things. Um, but again, if I have to speak up, if my clinic's running two and a half hours behind, like that is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, how these patients even still want surgery with me is like beyond me. Um, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, yeah. but, Are they, just give but, me some yeah. clarity. Are they not being roomed or like help me fathom two and a half hours behind? Um, so my subspecialty is very clinic procedure heavy. And I think that's the trouble is the other docs are not realizing that. Um, I'm trying not to give like too many details away without giving my subspecialty away, but, um, but it's very, very procedure heavy. So, um, yesterday I only had one medical assistant when the owner of the group had four. And so for, if, if they have to set up for a procedure, they then cannot, room the patients or get them back or get them going. And because they are new, um, a lot of them are like trying to go to med school and stuff. They're not career MAs. They actually don't know how to manage their time. So I jump in and try to help them. But if I'm like, I had a few patients yesterday who needed like longer pre-op discussions. If I'm in the room with them, no one outside the room knows how to keep things going. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how, cause I routinely run an hour behind, which is annoying. Um, which I hope, I hope was just going to work itself out once we got new staff, but um, it's because it's so procedure heavy that if I only have one MA and I'm doing, and we're doing procedures, I mean, that person can only do so much. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, and again, it's, it's how do you preserve your energy and Mm -hmm. in, in thinking about it, right? Like some people would be like, Hey, I've tried 11 things. They haven't worked yet. Let's try number 12. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're in the set of like, this is where I am for two years. I've committed to that, whether you have or haven't. Mm-hmm. Right. Like once it's because it, an additional piece of energy is like, should I leave? Should I go? Should I leave? Should, now you're juggling that ball. Should I leave? Should I go? Should I leave? Should I go? And now you're juggling this other ball. Right. And it's like, just try to drop, drop one of them for a second. I'm not going to decide today if I'm going to leave or going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to be commit here for at least another six months. Let's see what I can do. And just kind of cleaning up like all these mental juggles that you have that are all very taxing physically. Yeah. So I think you had actually mentioned that once when I was like doing a coaching with Jess. And so I have tried to do that. There's some stuff going around about wasted money and I'm very into like the business of medicine, but I was like, you know what? I'm not a partner. Like y'all want to waste money. You can waste the money. But um, so, cause I'm trying to kind of mimic what the other surgeons do. Um, and they'll just go tell one of the staff or their PAs go find out this, whereas I'll go try to find out myself. So I had a meeting at lunch on Wednesday and I told the MAs and one of the PAs go do this for this patient. I have a meeting. They don't do it. The patient's there for three and a half hours. Patient walks out of the office and is refusing to come back. Cause I have to like finish his treatment. And he's like, no, you, you all ignored me for three and a half hours. So I was like, okay, I tried to do what the other surgeons did, which is go tell the staff to do it. And then they just didn't do it, you know? So it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, let me drop a ball. Like you said. Um, but then if I do it, there's actually no one else to pick up that ball or Mm -hmm. they're not willing to do it. I should say they're there, but they're not doing it. So. Yeah. And well, I think that's, that's part of like the dropping of the ball is like, it's might not get done. And then like, 
get the pattern and get the data and be like, hey, guys, this is what happens when I don't do it. I don't see you having to do this. Like, you know, it's collecting data. It's all collecting data because we're all like, oh, I have to do everything because it won't get done. Hey, that might be true. But is that the best use of you as a surgeon? Right. And it's like, collect, yeah. again, collecting the data on it. Right. Which I have done with some things, which I've presented to the partners, which their response is it happens to all of us. And I was like, no, it doesn't. You leave clinic at three 30. I leave clinic at six o'clock. It does not happen to all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the whole thing with leaving or staying, um, I have a very tight timeline, um, because of how our boards work. I actually hate our boards. I feel like that is the underlying theme here. Like the board just, I am We're all trapped in these jobs because of our boards. Um, where it's a very sticky situation where I'm coming up on the, you know, the time for when you have to give notice. And, you know, I'm not really interested in having like something contentious happen or getting lawyers involved. Um, but, how long do you, you know, have to stay, how long do you have to stay for it to be okay with your boards? Well, the problem is because my group didn't submit my paperwork. I, I feel like that's really when the honeymoon phase ended. Cause I thought I'd just leave in a year. Um, but then I found out they didn't submit my paperwork. So I was like, okay, another year that sucks. But because I lost eligibility from not submitting my paperwork, I have to stay to make sure I passed the first time. Because if something freaky were to happen and I didn't, which I can't imagine that would happen, then I'd have to stay there for another year. So I think that's the challenge is also, I don't know, am I here for two years? Am I here for three years? Like, you know, what are we doing here? Why well, think, why even think that thought? It's exhausting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, your brain wants to keep you in indecision. Mm -hmm. you might not agree with that brain, right? Like in your perfect world, your brain would stop freaking flip-flopping on everything, but your brain is in such like a stress survival mode. And this is, again, this isn't you. You're the person who's seeing your brain do this. Yeah. If you're able to like break that out of there. Yeah. 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 But your brain is like, how much longer is it going to be? Okay. Well, if it's this much longer then this will happen. If it's this much longer, like brain, we're not thinking about that today. And really seeing those thoughts and if those thoughts are serving you or they're not serving you. So it's like, you know, you still have to take your boards before you even know if you pass, before you even know if it's going to be another year, right? Like you literally can't figure that out today. But it's cleaning up that like every time you get in a, a loop, you're like feeding quarters of energy into mm -hmm. that slot machine. Yeah. And you're like, this is not a winning game over here. I should stop playing this game. Oh, Okay. But your brain's like, I'm super good at that. And I think today I'm going to win. You're like, no, you're not going to win today, brain. You're, I see what you're doing. You're worrying about the future again. Today, we're, this week, we're going to work on this job and self-care. Yeah, it's like, you've got all these balls. And it's like, at some point, you got to be like, you're feeding slot machines that you're, you're not solving them. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is like, you know, when we talk about, oh, you know, why I even think about the two years or three years or whatever is I feel like I can't even get through like a day or two days. I mean, I had three really great days and I thought, okay, things are going to get better. And then it just all went to shit. And so I feel like, you know, especially with the hours I'm working and stuff that I am surviving and not living, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, come, you know, I told you the Friday night routine. That means Saturday I recover, can't really do anything. And then Sunday it's like, okay, got to get ready for Monday again. It's not really like enjoying the time that I do have off. So I, I can see, you know, why think about not passing? I mean, I'm going to pass, 
but I'm just like, how am I going to stay here two years when I feel like I can't even make it through a week? But the, the, that's the thought. I can't make it through a week. Mm -hmm. That's a thought. Yeah. Cause it, cause the changing your, your, your brain totally wants to change your external circumstances. Yeah. I'm not saying don't try. We're never saying don't try, but you have that extra layer of, because I can't change it right now. I, I can, I'm not surviving. Like it's an extra layer of pain. Mm-hmm. And, it, and nobody here is saying like that the job isn't rough and like there are nicer partners elsewhere and maybe it would be sunnier and you'd get paid more and you'd have four, like who knows? It's maybe it's better somewhere else. I don't, we don't know. Yeah. But it's that extra layer of pain. That's where, that's what you get to work on. Like we can't make four, four more MAs be hired on Tuesday. Like, God, that would be freaking awesome. I can't make there be more. We have a massive scrub tech shortage. Yes. Massive scrub tech shortage. Yes. We just got an email. They're shutting down the ORs to nine a day. Sucks for you. <laughs> we shut down to four a day. Oh my God. That's terrible. It's terrible. Like there literally are no humans. But like me putting on an extra layer of, of pain would be like, if only I could do 12 more cases, then I could save my money and then I could retire early. And then I could be, I could go learn how to quilt. Like it's that extra layer that we put on to the simple fact of like the the world is not, not perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like that extra layer. I'm thinking of, again, it's like the backpack of bricks, but that extra layer of like, I can't survive this. That thought creates so much pain for you. Right. Um, so I guess, I guess, you know, how would I think about it? day to day, you know, if I let some of these ball drops and things happen and not that I like try to put too much stock into this, but I did for a long time, have five-star review on Google. I'll be very proud of myself, but now the reviews are starting to come in about the wait times and stuff. And I'm not taking it personally because they're not about me. They're about the wait times, but it's like, you just look at that and you're like, that's so preventable. You know, if don't look at it, looking at it's optional. You know what? When it was five stars, I used to look at it because it would make me feel better. That might sound egotistical, but then it would make me feel no, better. No, but again, it's, but that's an like equally great example, though, right? Five stars. I'm thinking a thought. What's the thought? I'm fabulous, <laughs> so I feel good. Yeah. Right? It's not the external that makes you feel that way. It's your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And our brains love dopamine, man. Like so much, and you know, and, and only to be like separate. We're the who you are is the person who gets to watch all of this happen. That's who you are. You're not your brain. You're not your dopamine receptors. You're not like your habitual patterns. That's all just the brain doing. One of the coaches this week was like, brain's going to brain. And I'm like, I need a t-shirt that says brain's going to brain. But like the brain's like, well, let's check the Google reviews because I need a, I need a hit of, oh no, now I feel yeah. crappier. Like, yeah. Buyer beware. Google's got a crappy shit. I have a yeah. one-star Google review because I didn't know when I was going to give birth and I should know that because I'm a doctor <laughs> and they couldn't come and see me because I had to close my clinic because I had a baby, but I didn't yeah. know that. And it inconvenienced him. That's hilarious. Yeah. My, I know, but you- like, but the, you know, I'm like, thank God for that Google review in my life because <laughs> it made me realize how incredibly ridiculous all the Google reviews are. 
yeah the current patient that left the most recent one is upset that I had to go operate on another human being and had to reschedule him right and I mean I think that's so important for everybody to know is like what people think about you or your clinic that's their circumstance Mm -hmm. you know as we say like we're just C's in everybody's life yeah we're just a circumstance because they care about themselves because they have egos just like we have egos we're all built the same but yeah, yeah, I mean, I would just at this, I mean, this point, this literally is your personal growth of like you seeing what your brain's doing that causes you more pain on top of the, the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the like untangling of the spaghetti. It's like, oh, there I am trying to change my circumstance again. There I am trying to make somebody else behave differently. There I am trying to solve two to three years after my boards, what's it going to be? And even just that work of being like, Hey brain, I see what you're doing right now. It separates the like pain of those thoughts from your brain, just having thoughts. Okay. Um, cause you know how you asked me after I first stated the circumstance, what the underlying thought is, I actually remembered what the underlying thought has been. I actually moved here for this job. The only time I've ever been to this city is for this job. And socially, like things have not been great. Dating hasn't been great. I don't know a lot of people here. Like, I don't, I just don't love it here. And so I think actually that underlying thought is I came here for the job and the job sucks. And now I'm in this city that I like, don't really love people love it. I can see why they love it. I just don't love it. Probably because I haven't found my people over here. Um, But it's like, oh, I came here just for this job and um, the job sucks and like, no one cares that it sucks. Yeah. You know, totally. And how does that thought feel? Um, I think that's, I think that's actually that sadness. I feel like just when I'm talking to you and I'm feeling, you know, how I was upset on Tuesday, it's like a deep sadness. We're talking about the body, like in the pit of my soul. Yeah. And it's your, and then your brain, you can see your brain's trying to solve for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, how much longer? Okay. Well, if I change this, can I, if I change the job, Instead of just sitting with that, and this like is perfectly full circle for the talk today, of like sitting with the sadness and being like, I'm super sad right now. And I don't like feeling sad. And it hurts and it feels tangly below my xiphoid. And it kind of reaches around to like the right side a little bit. And now I kind of feel it in my hip. I'm not making this up. Like, like when you get better at feeling feelings, you're like, oh, and now my hips talking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nope. I got sadness down there. Like really processing the feelings and being like, I am sad. I'm doing all these other things maybe because I'm sad and really like using it as a tool of understanding yourself. Like, of course you would be sad. You, you, put everything in the car and move to the city for this job and it's not working out. Mm-hmm. It's a sad thing. Yeah. And all this other like busy exhaustion, fix it, think about the future is trying to cover up for the fact that like it didn't go as you had wanted it to go and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Well, like sad every week <laughs> you know I know you know whenever you're giving the talk about coaching it's like people say I don't want to feel sad I just want to be happy I and I know that's not what we're supposed to be feeling but I'm sitting here and even though I've been doing this for a few months I'm like but I don't want to be sad every week I don't want to be sad anymore you know like what kind of quality of life is that 
Right, right. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, there's two different off the top of my head's approaches to it. Cause we're like, okay. we're surgeons and we're problem solvers. Yes. But it's a number one, truly understanding you are sad. It's okay to be sad. Of course, okay. this is sad. Process the sad. Mm-hmm. And then see how you're trying to fix everything. Right. Like that's the additional layer of pain. Of course, I'm trying to, I'm making myself crazy trying to fix all this because I'm sad about the situation. Mm-hmm. And then working on, so number one, that's the insight of just like, no, this is sad. I'm fighting the sad, which tends to make the sad stick around more. Sad's like, I'm not done with you yet. You haven't truly realized you're sad yet. <laughs> let's, let's keep working on it. And then at some point being like, it's totally okay that this didn't work out and I'm sad. What am I going to do from a very clean place? Not in a, like filling the slot machines with like perseverating over possibilities of like, I'm sad because I moved to this town and I thought the job was going to, was the everything. So I'm going to go find a friend and I don't know how to do that. So now I get to learn how to do it. Or I'm going to put out five job applications in five different, completely random places of the country. But like deciding what to do is because some people just get stuck in the sad, like stuck in that, right? Like, God damn it. I got to make this job work. So I can't, so I'm not sad anymore. Like mm-hmm. maybe not. So it's, it's like completely okay to fuck up and, and it's completely okay to be wrong. So I guess like for me to work on this weekend and this week, um, is it more the inside or like something over the thought work or, you know, I guess, what do you suggest? Yeah. I mean, I think for just for the sad thing is like, are you truly, truly allowing yourself to be sad? Or do you think, cause sometimes can, what can be underlying that is like shame or perfection like all those things, like the additional layers of like, I shouldn't have fucked it up. It's all my fault. It's my job to fix it. It's like all that extra stuff on top of this ad of like not being good enough. Because if you would have been good enough, maybe you wouldn't be sad. And I'm not saying that's your circumstance. I'm just bringing yeah, it up because that's like a common, that's a very common thing. Okay. Like, could I, should I have changed the past or should I change the future? Which are all truthfully very pointless things to contemplate because the only time you have is right now yeah um I guess is there like an intentional model or thought with this I'm wondering what would happen if we put I am sad in the sea line yeah let's just put sadness okay So we took your sadness and we made it a circumstance. Okay. It's like a neutral thing in the world because sadness exists in the world. It's just a thing in the world. Yeah. Like it's not good or bad. It's just a thing. It's like total (laughs) neutral circumstance. What thought do you want to, and you can do intentional or unintentional, right? I think they're both very useful models to run here. Um, Let's do the intentional one. Just like the- What do you want to, what do you want to think about sadness? Um, I don't want to be sad. Um, Good to know, because that's you resisting the sadness. Yeah. 
right? Well, I guess, I guess my thing with the sadness is I spend four hours crying, which, okay, I did it when I was supposed to be preparing for my case. And then I had to do it the next day and then like, wasn't super well rested for my case that took 11 hours. Like, I guess with me, it's not that sadness is a waste of time because I agree you do have to feel the sad. I don't need to feel it for four hours. How about like one hour and then three hours of case prep? That's, I mean, just in you like saying that, it sounds like you've just given yourself so much more agency and like power over your circumstance, mm-hmm. right? You were just like completely overwhelmed by sadness for four hours. Yeah. And now you're like, no, 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 sadness is super important. Let's, let's keep the sad, but let's also do something to move forward. Yeah. Like I mean, that's, this is where all the growth is yeah. with a little bit of like, I don't want to be sad in the middle and realizing, <laughs> oh, that's resistance. So what else can we do? Right. Yeah. Like super good. Okay. So sadness is your circumstance. Thought might be. Um, I feel like I still struggle with the intentional models, even after doing this for a few months. Yeah, I mean, the intentional models are almost like you can do so many things with them. You can do the like aspirational intentional model. You can do the like empowered intentional model. I like kind of like empowered sounds good. You can do, you can do something that like sounds absolutely like, so it's such a ridiculous thought. Like there's no way you would ever believe it and just like see what happens with it. Like there's, so there's no, like, there's really no right way to do this, but it's really like, what do you want to feel about your sadness? If you're coming from a place where you're the observer and there's no judgment on the sadness, you're like the empowered observer who like loves you no matter what. Um, I want the sadness to be productive, if that makes sense. Also, it sounds very surgeon-y, like it has to be productive. Um, yeah, like, very get it? But hey, we realized it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's something to that. I mean, and going back to like the beginning of the talk of like, there's so many people who are like so utterly despondent and pissed right now for mm-hmm. pick, pick an event. <laughs> and they're like using that as fuel to create something to drive change, to drive the energy to prepare for the case or go meet the friends or look for the good job, using it as fuel is completely an option. We just don't realize it's an option. And we just think we should like drown in sadness Mm -hmm. instead of like using the sadness as like, I love you so much. And I see that you're so sad. I want to use this as fuel to love myself more, really work on prioritizing what's right for me in the next Mm -hmm. day, whatever it might be. But, but, and I can't remember exactly what you said there, but it was something like that. It was like the productive sadness. Yeah. 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 Um, I want sadness to be productive. Should we put that in the thought line? Sure. Okay. I want sad to be productive. How does that feel? It feels less wasteful. Um, It feels like not so gut-wrenching. What's what's the feeling for not so Um, gut-wrenching? Calmer? I guess, yeah. More more peaceful? More, probably more peaceful. 
more peaceful. Yeah. Ah, that's nice. And then what actions come from being more peaceful? Um, well, there's less wasted time. Mm. Um, we want that. We're working on efficiency. Yeah. Less, less wasted time. Um, less reactive. Less reactive. Um, you know, the young partner is an a-hole to everyone. Just because he sends a douchey email doesn't mean I have to be upset by it. Brain's going to brain, man. Yeah, I mean, he sends, he sends douchey emails all the time. Like, whatever. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's his, that's his brain. Sucks, yeah. sucks to be in that one. At least you got yours. Yeah. I swear, for like the end of the year gifts this year, I want to do like the t- tank tops that say brain's going to brain. Yeah. That's They're going to be like, TF, what does that even mean? <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yeah. Like, less wasted time, less reactive less crying well I guess it goes under like less wasted time yeah I think the result uh, from less reactive the result is less crying yeah for anybody who's listening it doesn't mean that crying is not good crying's good we should cry but when we get stuck in four hours of crying we can look at it objectively and be like hmm that doesn't mean we should never cry yeah just, just so I don't get any strongly worded emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, when we see sadness as something that's happening in the world and we want to use our sadness to be productive, it makes you feel peaceful. And when you're peaceful, there's less crying. Mm-hmm. Anything and else? It also makes me feel like more hopeful. I'm like, okay, if I can use the sadness productively then I can just like stick it out until my next step in life yeah hopeful yeah I mean I I what comes up for me of like using sadness as productive is like an opportunity again to learn about yourself to learn about people to learn how you do you respond in the world to learn I mean, if this coaching does nothing else but to make us be better friends with ourselves, it's, it's an awesome job. Yeah. It's like, oh, what I know for whatever next time is, is I need to prioritize blah, 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 and whatever that might be. But like, you're, you're learning a crap ton. Because if it was yeah, just I mean- nice and lovely, you would not be learning anything. No, I mean, when I was talking about my vacation and how I felt like a um, unrecognizable person, like in a good way, um, I was like, oh, I'm waiting for this to kick in for work stuff, you know? <laughs> it I'm comes like, for the easy progress. stuff first, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's progress. So I'm pretty happy about that. And it's funny because actually like when I'm interacting with other people, I'll think to myself, like, you sound like you need some coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, my aunt called me today and I was like, I got, I got like tachycardic and it's like, Oh, I'm tachycardic right now. Super curious. Like, you know, it's like you take that objectiveness and like you can, and it just, you can create space throughout like all these different pieces of life. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like conscious of like on triggering while she's like, Oh, it's so curious that I wasn't tachycardic and now I am. Huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously overall, I think coaching is great and has helped me a lot. I'm just still working on the work stuff. I think if it's like one issue at a time, then I can, I can handle it. Cause I can like, you know, switch my thoughts a little bit or kind of work around it. I think it's the days where it's like multiple bad shits happen that the sadness and everything else comes. So. Yeah, totally. And pay like the pro tip just for the end, pay attention to like being hungry and taking pee breaks and like drinking water. And like, it's like the simple stuff, but it's like, wow, I always get stressed at 3 PM. And it's like, well, cause you didn't have lunch. And like, it's like, sometimes it's so freaking basic. And like, we forget about this, the basic stuff sometimes not saying having snacks fixes everything, but like, it's amazing that sometimes it does. No, I mean, that's really interesting. I've definitely had in the last couple of weeks, like I just will go the whole day without drinking any water or during my case on Thursday. So obviously all the staff is talking crap because of how long it took, even though I told them it would take that long. Um, the one ally I have in the OR, one of the OR nurses says, dude, you understand that for 11 hours, she did not scrub out one time. She was in like the entire time. Like you just don't think about it, but I definitely am going to pay more attention to that now. Totally. Because so. it's like, oh, my feelings is how my body is trying to tell me to take care of myself. Thanks feelings. Yeah. I'm also booking a massage for tomorrow. So self-care care. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah. You're like, if so. all I got out of coaching was that I should get a massage every once in a while, money well spent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks awesome. Kelly. This was good. Thanks for taking appreciate an hour with me. It. I appreciate yeah. it. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>